Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. We're finishing up chapter number 4 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 4. We'll be looking at the end of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 4. Good. I was hoping, Daniel, I was hoping you'd move up by your wife. I saw, I had over here, I had, um, I had Dennis and Sandra at first. Sandra was grabbing something, a Bible later, further down the pew. They were sitting the whole row apart, and I'm like, oh boy, trouble in paradise this morning. But no, they're back sitting next to each other. That's good. And then I'm glad the Rizzos are together there. That's good. And so you should have seen your husband look so sad sitting behind you and not next to you there. And so he's got a smile on his face now. And so that's good. Good full room this morning. This is a good thing. And uh, last service, it started out a little empty, but then it filled up some, but this is good. And so I'm just, my prayer is the Lord would give us a bigger building so we just have one service with everybody. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think that would be great. And so that's my prayer. We'll see what the Lord does with that. And hopefully that's your prayer too. And so that would be good. Or we just knock out the walls this way and build back that way somewhere and see what happens. But there's no parking for you now. What would we do then? We'd have to build a parking garage out there and two or three stores. And all these million-dollar houses around us would be ticked off that there's an ugly parking garage at the church right there. But, or we go underground, but then we'd hit the well. That's, no, we can't do all that. Anyways, let's get back to the message and focus on things that matter at the moment this morning. Hebrews chapter number 4. We've been in the book of Hebrews now for a while, and I've been. this has been a help to me. The book has been. hope that's been a help to you as well. And I'm going to review a little bit, and then we're going to dive into new stuff today. And last service, I was done before 9.30 last service. It was amazing that that happened. That doesn't mean it's going to happen again, but it happened in the last service. Carla's got her fingers crossed back there. You haven't been in church in like two, two or three weeks, so I'm going to go extra long for Carla today. So I was giving her a hard time earlier. I said, I'm going to give you a visitor's card to fill out because it's been a while. She's like, I want the gift card then that comes with the visitor bag. I'm like, no visitor's card then. You, she was quick on her feet this morning. That's what a little break, a little vacation does, right? Sometimes. And so Hebrews 4, look with me at verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed unto the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, I pray you'd bless the time that we have this morning. I thank you for the many blessings you've given to us. I pray that you would help us today, guide us. Thank you for your many blessings. I pray that you'd remove our distractions for a little bit this morning so we could focus in on you and your word and what you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we looked over the past several weeks as we've been here in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter number 3, we were back there. The author of Hebrews, under inspiration here, was reminding us that we cannot let doubt come in, to watch out for doubt. And we all have a tendency at times to doubt the Lord. And the author used the example of the children of Israel. Now, I mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again. The promised land in the Old Testament, I don't believe, pictures heaven. Because if it pictured heaven, then heaven isn't as good as it talks about in the Bible, right? Because there would be battles to be faced, and there's different things that go on. I sincerely believe that in the Old Testament, the promised land for the children of Israel pictures the Christian life that we live through Christ. 
And when we think about those things, it's interesting with the children of Israel. When they obeyed God and did things God's way, things went pretty well. When they did things their way and they didn't obey God, things didn't go as well for them. And it's a great lesson. Let's just do what God tells us to do and follow the Lord. It's a good way to live. And so as we think about that fact, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel went in and spied. We read this here. And ten came back and said, there's no way we can enter that land. They saw the giants in the land. They saw what they were up against, probably the military forces, all these things. And they're like, there's just no way we can do it. Two came back, Joshua and Caleb, and said, God is awesome and he's going to get this for us. Two believed God and ten doubted the Lord because they looked at the circumstances more than looking at the Lord. And the Bible said, tells us there, this is the example we should not follow. Don't do like the children of Israel did and doubt. But we all at times in our lives doubt the Lord, don't we? Is there anyone here who would say you've never doubted God in anything? You've trusted him 100%. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? None of us would say that. I was hoping someone would because I'd be like, I'm going to let you preach the message today and I'm going to go sit down. Because if you've never doubted God, I could learn something from you. But I know also that if someone would raise their hand and say that, I wouldn't want them preaching to me because they're straight up lying to us and that's the case. I mentioned a couple weeks ago we looked at the rest, and God had that rest designed for his children. But anyone over the age of 20 did not get to enter into that rest because of the doubt that they had. Now, I believe, and as we look at the scriptures, I believe it's that there are three types of rest God gives to his people. Number one is the rest at salvation. And when you come to the Lord for salvation, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. There are many people in many different religions out there that are working frantically to earn their way. And they are trying to do whatever they can to get there. I today can rest in my salvation because Jesus Christ died for me and I put my trust in him. So there's the, tr- there's the rest that comes in salvation. And we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ is for us. There is the rest that comes future that the Bible talks about, as we read in chapter number 3, that Sabbath rest, that Sabbath rest pictures heaven. And we will all get to rest in heaven, right? Won't that be wonderful? No more. You won't have to lock your doors in heaven. You won't have to worry about anything. We won't need police in heaven. We won't need it. We'll have Jesus. We'll need. It'll be a perfect place. All of, no, no more pain. No more, no more anything of that nature. All will be passed away and all things will become new. And that's going to be, how many of you are looking forward to heaven someday? I'm looking forward to it. We all should be. So we have the rest and salvation, and we have that future rest. But I sincerely believe that for his children is to be able to have rest through the life that we live. God wants us to have peace. Remember what Jesus said in the world? You're going to have tribulation. In the world, there's going to be tough times. But I came to bring you peace. And I think Jesus was a great example of that. Remember that storm? The disciples are on the boat with Jesus, and Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And next thing you see, Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples are frantic on the boat because they think they're going to die. And Jesus is sleeping there. And a lot of Christians, and myself included a lot of times, are just like the disciples. We're running frantically through life like, uh, what are we going to do? What's happening? I'm worried. I'm anxious where we could have peace in the midst of it. How could a man like Stephen be stoned to death 
and have peace in the last few minutes of his life. How could Paul pen the words, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, sitting in a prison cell? How could he pen the next few verses? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How could a man write that sitting in jail? And not jail like today. We're talking bad. Life's bad. How could he have peace in the midst of that. Jesus came so we could have peace. And I believe the author here is trying to help us that as we go through the Christian life and trying to help those Jews that this was written to, trying to help them, we stop growing in our Christian walk when we doubt the Lord. Now let's be honest this morning. I am a person who deals, I have a lot of anxiety at times. Sometimes I have no anxiety and everything's great. And other times I have a lot of anxiety. And it just goes back and forth. There are seasons of it, waves of it. And if you deal with that, you probably have the same sort of thing. There are times where things are going really good and I'm like, wow, this is good. And then there's other days like, oh, this is awful. But I want you to realize something. When we get anxious and when we doubt, what we are doing is, in all reality, and myself included, I'm not trusting God. That's what it comes down to. And, you, and I know that doesn't sound very nice. Like, well, no, it's, and it's, it is, what are we doing? We're not trusting him. Just like the children of Israel didn't trust him. And I notice that when I have peace, because there are times that I go through major things, and there's peace. But I'm trusting the Lord. And that's why I have peace. And the times that I don't have peace are the times I'm not truly trusting him. And so as we look here this morning, I believe the author here is trying to help us to continue to grow in the Lord. And he wants us to realize that there are times we, that we are just like the children of Israel. We doubt and we don't trust. And so look back at verse number 14 and we'll dive into today's thoughts. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Look at this last phrase. Let us hold fast our profession. There are other words, hold fast. We don't do a lot of holding fast. We don't use that word often today. We do sing the song, and in salvation, he holds us. We are in his hand. But as we go through this Christian life, that word hold fast, you can think of the word to cling to. You need to cling to Jesus. You need to seize him. Let us hold fast our profession. Our profession is Jesus, right? Our faith in him. So what this is telling us is don't doubt him. Hold fast to him as these things come into our lives. So in all reality, the fact is these verses tie into everything else that we've talked about. Interesting thing, I've heard many sermons about this, these verses. I have never heard a sermon in context from these verses. I've heard many good sermons, but the context here, when we look at the worry and we look at doubting God, it flows with everything else. As we look here this morning, you notice that the author brings up the high priest now. There's going to be more talking about the high priest. Later on, Melchizedek's going to be mentioned later on in the book. 
But you think about for the Jews, the high priest was an important person, wasn't he? In the Old Testament, the priest would be the one that would enter into the Holy of Holies and apply the blood sacrifice on the altar. The children of Israel, the high priest, mattered. And as we think about that this morning, and as we look at this, I want you to understand something. Our high priest is Jesus Christ. He went and he offered us. Think about those Old Testament priests, those high priests. Every year, they'd have to put another sacrifice on. And that sacrifice was never going to take it away. It just pushed it off a little bit longer. But Jesus Christ came and offered a sacrifice once for all. And in that sacrifice, he washed us clean. We have a great high priest. Our high priest in Jesus is better than the Old Testament high priest. But as we look here this morning, I want to focus in on that phrase there in verse number 14. Let us hold fast or let us cling to our profession. Hey, instead of doubting the Lord, let's hold fast our faith. You'll notice later on, do you notice later on in the book, it talks about those who did hold their faith and cling to it? Chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. It talks about all those that clung, that clung to the, clang, clung, clinged, clinged. Wow, those that held fast, held fast. The thing is, I always, when I use words like that, I got some smart aleck teachers in the room. Not, you're not smart aleck. You're never smart aleck. I got one smart aleck teacher in the room. And I know her first thought is, he didn't say that word, right? He didn't use the right tense of that word. And so, what's the proper, what was the proper word? Oh, good. So I said that one of the three I said was that. So, it was the second one? Good. So, good. Anyways, teachers make me nervous. They act like they... They act like they know. I'm just kidding. They don't make me nervous. And so, but it does make me think when I use a uh, part of speech or something, did I use the right tense? And so, why should we cling to the Lord? That's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. With that in mind, number one today, why we should cling to Jesus, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. I love this. Look at what this verse says, the beginning of verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now, that, think about this. I always think about the, we're reading here about the high priest, right? And that's being brought up. So think about the high priest before he would enter in to the Holy of Holies. He would have to clean himself, right? And his hands, everything. He could not be touched. And every time he entered into the Holy of Holies, if he didn't do it God's way, he could be struck dead. And so we see here that we have none high priest which cannot be touched. Jesus can be touched by you today, by what you're going through. He can sympathize with our, that word infirmity, it means weakness. Do you realize this morning that we as humans are weak? We don't like to admit that. No, I'm strong. That's when we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. Because when we think we're strong, why do we need God if we're strong? When we're weak, that's when he's strong. Isn't that what Paul said? Paul said those words. But he can sympathize with our weakness. We look here and we think about the fact that Jesus touches us and he's there. He reaches out. Think of Jesus' life that he lived. And I think about all the people that he touched. Think about the lepers that he touched. No one wanted to get near them, right? Jesus was willing to. I think about the, the tax collectors. Who was willing to reach out? 
Jesus was willing to. Who was willing to reach out to all types of people. The prostitutes, anyone. Jesus was there and Jesus touched them. He's there for you today. And he, he's a God, he's a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's not too far above us because he came and he lived here on earth. He put on flesh. He lived here. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to get tired. Anybody tired today? Yeah, he knows. He knows what it's like to be tired. Anybody hungry today? Yeah, you know, that's not several hands there. And so just eat breakfast before you come to church and your stomachs won't be growling during church. Um, he knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it is like to live today. There are many people that will claim to know, you know what you're going through. I, a while back, I, I did a funeral for someone, and they lost a parent. And someone went up to them and said, I know how you feel. And I was just thinking to myself, that person's never lost a parent. So how do they truly know how someone feels about losing a parent? My parents are here still. I don't know what it's like to lose a parent. Someday, unless the Lord comes, I'm going to know what it's like. But I cannot relate and say I know how you feel when someone loses a parent. There have been many that have lost a child, an adult child. I don't know what that's like. I cannot relate. I can sympathize to a degree, but I cannot relate. Jesus can sympathize and relate with us today. Why can we cling to him? Why can we hold fast our profession? Why should we not doubt him? Because he knows what it's like to be human. He knows the weaknesses that we face. He is there, and he can be touched with what we go through. Number one today, we see he can sympathize with our weakness. Number two, he was tempted like we are. The Bible tells us the rest of that verse, verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Jesus was tempted. You remember the, his temptation? I believe Satan threw everything he could at Jesus. Jesus had just fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. And Satan literally threw whatever he could, and Jesus passed the test, didn't he? And I sincerely believe there are those, I've heard many people say, I just want to give you my opinion real quick, there is no way, no how Jesus would have sinned. He's God. He's God, God does not sin, and God cannot be tempted with it. It doesn't work that way. And so Jesus is God, he's not going to sin. But he's tempted, and Satan threw everything he could at him. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. Now, I know some of you in this room, you say, well, the devil tempts me all the time. The devil cannot be everywhere. Did you realize that? If you read James chapter number one, oftentimes we are tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust, and our own inward desires. You see, we don't even need Satan to come to tell him yes. We say yes to what we want to do already. And that, and Jesus here, as we look here, he knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be weak. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He understands it. He went through it. But you got to realize something this morning, number three, he did it and he did not sin. That's what separates Jesus Christ from every other human that's ever lived. And yes, he is human and God at the same time. 
He was tempted, yet he never sinned. The verse tells us he was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Now, how many of you have ever been tempted and and then you didn't sin? You didn't do it. You resisted temptation. I think we all could say that there's been times. Now, does that happen? Do you always resist temptation? No. We don't always resist temptation because we sin. It's in us. It's in our nature. I use the example often. My children, I did not have to sit them down as they got a little older and when they're four or five and say, okay, guys, I'm going to teach you how to be bad. Let me teach you how to lie. Let me teach you how to be selfish so you don't have to share with your siblings. Let me teach you how to disobey mom when she tells you to do something. Did you ever have to teach your kids how to do bad things? No, it's an amazing thing. They just know how to do it. It's natural. They are natural sinners. Why? Because when Adam, the first man, sinned, we all inherited that sin through Adam. And that's why we have to teach our children to do what's right and not what's wrong, because they know what to do wrong already. Now, some of you got those cute little babies. Sometimes they've already been fed, they've been changed, and they're just crying, making noise. They're just throwing little tantrums at little ages. And baby talk. Maybe, maybe not, who knows. I don't speak baby talk, and so I was never very good with that one. But you realize something about Jesus? He did not sin. He was tempted in all points, like as we are. Yet he did not sin. This morning I want you to realize, why should we cling? Why should we hold fast our profession? Because Jesus knows what it's like to be weak. He knows what it's like to be human. He also knows what it's like to be tempted. He also didn't sin as he was tempted. And because of what he's done, number four and lastly this morning, He invites us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Now look at this verse with me. Look at verse number 16. I've heard many sermons on this verse. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The type of Baptist churches I come from, I've heard this verse preached a lot. And that word boldly, the way that they use that word boldly is you can come in almost brazen like before God and Demand things of God. That's not what this is saying. The word boldly means confident. You can come before the throne of God confidently through Jesus Christ, and we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This whole passage, what's this whole passage reminding us? It's reminding us that the children of Israel didn't enter God's rest, and God has rest for his people. God has given us, what did we look at last week? His Word. And His Word, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharpening a two-edged sword, it pierces to the dividing of sunder soul. It knows, God's Word knows what we need. And God's Word will help us and keep us from doubting. And the Lord sees and knows all things, and God will speak to us through His Word. And we see the fact that we have that high priest in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, We can cling to him and hold fast the profession of our faith. And as we do that, why should we cling to him? Because he knows what it's like to be us. He's been tempted. He never sinned. And because he didn't sin and because he's our great high priest, you can come confidently unto God's throne. And as you are going through trials in your life, times of doubt, times of worry, times of anxiety, times of whatever the case may be, 
you can come and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We look at that word mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. You can come confidently before God today. Say, so, well, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I need, what do I need to find some rest in this Christian life? I think you need to be in His Word. And I think you need to come before His throne and pray. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Christians are running everywhere to find help with their lack of peace in the Christian life. And you have God's word and you have prayer. And you can confidently come before God today and you can find the mercy you need and the grace in the t- that you need in that moment. G. Campbell Morgan is like to read his uh, sermons and read his writings. He penned these words, and he said it like this. He said, I am never tired of pointing out that the Greek phrase translated in time of need is a colloquialism of which, in the nick of time, is the exact equivalent. So he puts it there, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the nick of time. Grace just when and where I need it. You are attacked by temptation. At the moment of assault, you look to him, and the grace is there to help in the nick of time. There is no postponement of your petition until the evening hour of prayer, but there in the city streets with the flaming temptation in front of you, turn to Christ with a cry for help, and the grace will be there in the nick of time. As we go through this life, you can come before the throne of grace confidently think about if we were to go enter into the Old Testament and we would enter into the tabernacle or the temple, we would not be very confident going anywhere there. And I would probably stay on the outer court and maybe even pass there where the Gentiles would be. I wouldn't want to get very close. I would in no way go into the Holy of Holies. I would want nothing to do with it. And if I were to go, I wouldn't be boldly going. I would be trying to stink my way in, but even God still sees it all. Because of what Jesus Christ did, you can confidently enter the throne room of heaven and come before your heavenly Father any time you want through your high priest, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning, in your season of doubt or your season of worry, wherever you're at right now, when is the last time you entered the throne room of heaven and received the mercy and the need to get you through where you're at. It is available to God's people. He knows what you're going through. He's tempted just like you were, yet he did not sin. And through his word and through prayer, we can have peace in the midst of the storms. If you're living like Israel, not finding rest, Stop doubting him today and come boldly, come confidently before his throne and let him help you and minister to you and help you move forward with him. Doubt helps not grow. It's a big hindrance to grow. 
Satan wants you not to grow. I, think, I, I hope you realize that. He doesn't want growing Christians. Anything to help distract the Christian is a good thing. Just like, you know, you drive down the road, what are the billboards there for? They're there to try and throw you off. You know, did anyone see Carl's burger right now, the El Diablo burger? For $6.00. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. Our world and the stuff that they do. You know, the world around us can be falling apart, but we can remain at peace through Christ. I think what COVID proved to me, and I'm just about done. Some of you are you're like, he finished the last note so I can just tune him out. Don't tune me out yet. Tune me out in just a second. What COVID did, it showed that many Christians have no peace with God. Because Christians were just as panicked and scared as our world was. It shows that God's people don't spend much time in here and much time in prayer before the Lord. Because this world is going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. But you can still have peace in the midst of it as you come before the throne of God and let him give you the mercy and grace you need to make it each and every day. Father, thank you for the time that we've had this morning in your word. And thank you for being so awesome and so loving and so merciful to us.